0: Open up to Psalm 102, Psalm 102, starting in uh, verse 1, it says, Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble, and climb thine ear unto me in the day when I call. Answer me speedily. For my days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned as a hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. I watch and I'm as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. My enemies reproach me all the day, and they are that, and they are they that are mad against me are sworn against me, for I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping, because of thine indignation and thy wrath. For thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. My days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. But Thou, O Lord, shalt endure forever and Thy remembrance unto all generations. Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion, for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. For Thy servants take pleasure in her stones and favor the dust thereof. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord, and all the kings of the earth Thy glory. When the Lord shall build up Zion, He shall appear in His glory." He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayer. This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. For he hath looked down from the height of his sanctuary, from heaven did the Lord behold the earth, to hear the groaning of the prisoner, to loose those that are appointed to death, to declare the name of the Lord in Zion and his praise in Jerusalem. When the people are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the Lord, He weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. I said, O my God, take me not away in the midst of my days. Thy years are throughout all generations. Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shall thou change them, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same." and thy years shall have no end. The children of thy servants shall continue, and their seed shall be established before thee. So Psalm 102, it's a bit longer than the ones that we've been in. Um, and we we usually uh, don't pay a lot of attention to the headings or the titles that are above the Psalms as we, um, as we look into them. Uh, a lot of times they give us an idea of who wrote the psalm and maybe what the psalm is about and sometimes a little window into the setting of the psalm and uh, some, you know, sometimes that can be helpful, sometimes uh, not so helpful. But, but this one I think is, is going to be helpful for us to, to zero in on for a second. If your Bible has the, the little heading above the psalm, it says, A prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed... And poureth out his complaint before the Lord. So as we look at Psalm 102, what we're praying or what we're reading here is a prayer of the afflicted. One of the things that I appreciate about the Psalms, and we've mentioned this um, several times as we've looked at, you know, some of the settings and possible settings, um, is that it's not really necessary that we know what exactly was going on, who it was happening to, and all the little nitty-gritty details that we could find interesting. In some ways, it's more helpful that we don't know all of that stuff because these psalms are written, they weren't written by us, but they, they were written for us so that we can identify with these psalms in all kinds of different experiences and in all kinds of different situations and all kinds of different afflictions. And so what we get from a psalm like Psalm 102 um it really reminds me of of um uh, that 2 Corinthians 1 kind of comfort to where um the comfort that the Lord gave in our affliction we're able to use to comfort people in any affliction and that's really what we see in in the psalms particularly since we're in Psalm 102 tonight and so uh, we should um, Uh, Just, I think it's helpful to pay attention to that. Another thing that I really wanted to point out, and I like to do this when we come to these kinds of psalms, uh, a prayer of the afflicted when he is overwhelmed and he pours out his complaint before the Lord. Um, You know, affliction, being overwhelmed, that's a normal part of living in a fallen world. Okay, If you live life long enough, you're going to experience affliction. If you live life long enough, you're going to know what it means to be overwhelmed. And it is one of those 1 Corinthians 10.13 common to man kind of experiences. Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God do not insulate us from these kinds of things. As a matter of fact, Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God uses these things to further God's agenda and purposes in our life. Another thing that we're going to see is that that the Lord uses our afflictions to bless people in future generations. Things that we don't even know about. Things that we may, people that we'll never meet. Psalm 3419 says this, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of them all. OK, so so scripture never gives us this impression that Jesus is in the business of guarding you from affliction. Okay, The Psalms give us the impression and we could we could look at this in, in uh the Old and New testament both but the but the Bible paints a picture of a world that's full of afflictions and 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 a God who is constantly delivering his people and so from the least to the greatest, even a guy like the apostle Paul okay, he wasn't insulated from this kind of stuff. look in second Corinthians chapter one. Second Corinthians, Chapter One Starting in Verse Eight, Paul says in Second Corinthians, Chapter One, Verse Eight. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. Okay, this is the affliction, the trouble that he's experiencing here, that we were pressed out of measure. Paul's saying, This affliction weighed on us so heavy, we can't even describe the weight of it. Pressed out of measure. Um,. Above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. And, and Paul goes on and on. Paul says, We were pressed. And we were we despaired even of life. Okay, the 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 pressure that he's talking about, this being pressed, is the outward circumstance that was weighing down on Paul. Okay, the despairing even of life is that inward response that was being pressed out of Paul. Okay, so Paul was not a a, a concrete statue. He wasn't a man who, when he faced trials and when he faced pressures, that his automatic response was, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Paul says, I was so distressed. This is an inward response to an outward pressure that I despaired even of life. But God delivered me. God delivered me. So that, that sets us up for Psalm 102. This is a psalm. For the, or Psalm of the Afflicted and for the Afflicted. Um, we're going to look at this Psalm in three different sections. I think the structure of the Psalm um, is pretty concrete. So, first, we have the Complaint. We have the Complaint, that's verses 1 through 11. Second, we have the Comfort, the Psalmist's Comfort, that's 12 through 22. And then third, we have the psalmist Confidence, 23 through 28. So complaint, comfort, confidence. This is a a psalm that begins with a lament or a complaint. Um, And and it's one that is pretty detailed um, as far as uh, the psalms go. So let's start in verse 1. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto Thee. Hide not thy face from me in the day when I am in trouble. Incline thine ear unto me, in the day when I call, answer me speedily. Okay, so so number one, when the psalmist is crying out to God, when he is bringing his lament before the Lord, first off we see that he is he's desperate. He's brought to a place here where he's desperate. Essentially, he's saying this. Lord, it seems like you're ignoring me. Where are you? Why aren't you doing anything? Why can't I feel your presence? Would you please help? Would you please help? There's this desperation that the psalmist feels. Again, we're talking now about the inward response to the outward pressure. And so he's... Uh, endured something and we'll, we'll see a little bit about it, but he's endured something and he's in a desperate, desperate situation. These kind of Psalms really do help remind us that biblical Christianity encourages us to relate to God as a person, not a concept. God's not offended by your desperation. He's not surprised by your desperation. As a matter of fact, God intends that uh, for the pressure that that He allows to weigh down on your life to move you to desperation so that just like Paul, you wouldn't have confidence in yourself, but that your confidence would slowly but surely wean from yourself self-sufficiency and on to the Lord a God dependency. And so the psalmist is to the point here to where he's saying, Lord, I'm, I've, I've cried out to you, I've sought your face, I've come to you and nothing's happening. Please answer me speedily. I've got nowhere else to go. So he's desperate. Second, verses 3 through 5, he's in despair. He's in despair. For my days are consumed like smoke and my bones are burned as a hearth. My heart is smitten and withered like grass so that I forget to eat my bread. By reason of the voice of my groaning, my bones cleave to my skin. He says, my my days are, are consumed. This is a consuming problem. This is a consuming experience my bones burn this is poetic language that's used in job jeremiah uses this and and it's a it's it's a representative of of just bodily pain physical pain he says my heart is deeply wounded or or crushed he says in the the word in verse 4 is my heart is smitten but it's 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 crushed under the weight of what I've experienced. And then last, verse 5, essentially says, I have no appetite and my physical appearance reflects that reality. Okay. Some of you know what it means to endure despair, affliction, to the point that you just forget to eat or you have to force yourself to eat you're just consumed with whatever the difficulty is with the weight of or with the pain of whatever that affliction is that you just can't bring yourself to eat and essentially what the psalmist is saying is i have no appetite and when i look in the mirror it shows my my skin sticks to my bones he's desperate He's in despair. Verse 6, he feels deserted. He's lonely. I'm like a pelican of the wilderness. I'm like an owl of the desert. I watch and am as a sparrow alone upon the housetop. He says, I feel isolated. There's no one who can identify with where I am, with what I'm experiencing. There's no one who seems to maybe care enough to stick around. There's no one that I can pour my heart out to. I just feel like I'm all alone. Now, feelings aren't always facts, but this is the experience of the psalmist. He says, verse 8, I'm despised. My enemies reproach me all the day, and they that are mad against me are sworn against me. His enemies are, are after him. His enemies despise him. They are actively seeking to harm him. We could think about this from both a physical and a spiritual standpoint. This is one of those things where many of us don't have enemies with flesh and blood who are really out to harm us or out to get us. But we all, every single Christian has an active enemy. We've called him the the unholy trinity, the, the world, the flesh, and the devil who is out to incapacitate you on a daily basis, the allurement of the world, the weakness of the flesh, the accuser of the brethren, the three of them will wear you out. David says, it's not David, It's a, I don't know who it is, but the psalmist says, um, on top of the, Internal difficulties that I'm experiencing. My enemies just are not letting up. Verses 9 and 10, the psalmist is hopeless. Hopeless, For I have eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping because of thine indignation and thy wrath. For thou hast lifted me up and cast me down. Essentially, he says, I have no reason to hope that anything is going to get any better. Um, you're the one, Lord, who brought me up just so you could cast me down. It's My, my days are full of weeping. I've eaten ashes like bread and mingled my drink with weeping. Ashes were, you know, sackcloth and ashes were a sign of repentance. The ashes is a was symbolic for mourning. He says, I've eaten it like bread. I'm mourning all the time. My drink, which probably here is referring to some kind of wine or something like that, is just is diluted with my tears. My cup is just filled with tears. Hopeless. And then last, verse 11, I'm quickly declining. He says, my days are like a shadow that declineth, and I am withered like grass. There are other versions that translate this as uh, like a, uh, a shadow at the setting of the sun, uh, the shadows that get longer and longer until the sun sets and then they're gone. This is what he's referring to this decline he's coming to the end of his rope. He's not sure how much longer he can bear up under the weight of what he is enduring. Now that's pretty descriptive, isn't it okay this is this is a this is a Uh, an experience of, of a man who the Holy Spirit decided to put in the Psalms to give us a window into what certain seasons of the life of faith look like. And I'm thankful that's the case. You should be thankful that's the case as well. There are no such thing, there is no such thing as a bulletproof Christian. There's no such thing as a Christian who isn't affected by a fallen world. Now, there are plenty who try to pretend like they're not, but they even break eventually. Okay, so so this individual is, I mean, pulling out all the colors to describe the pain and anguish and difficulty that their soul is enduring. And then they get to verse 12. So my days are like a shadow, verse 11, that declines and I am withered like grass. I don't know that I'm going to make it. I don't know how much longer I can handle this. But thou, O Lord, shall endure forever. You know, this is a, you you, you know this already, but we said verses 1 through 11, is, we find the psalmist's complaint. Verses 12 through 22, we find the psalmist's comfort. And isn't it funny that in Psalm 102, when he's making the transition from his lament or his complaint to the embracing of his comfort, he says, I don't know how long I can make it, but you, O Lord, you're forever. Does it remind you of Ephesians 2? Verses 1 through 4, where we read about the fact that we were dead in our trespasses and sins, that we walked in times past in the lust of the flesh, being deceived, that we were by nature the children of wrath, Verse 4, but God, who is rich in mercy, right? Genesis chapter 6, the Lord looked down upon the world that He created and He was grieved to His heart because He saw that in the hearts of men that the only thing that was there was just wickedness continually. It repented Him. That he even made man and he devised a plan to wipe humanity off the face of the earth. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. But God, right? But you, O Lord, you, we, we, we find throughout scripture and we could, we could go to many more that God often breaks through a picture of despair, and brings comfort and hope by simply inserting himself into the certain circumstance. This is where you were, but God. This was, this was your circumstance and how low you were, but God. So, point number one here, We're thinking about this. Our hope in the midst of despair, our hope must be placed in and our comfort must be found in the living God. You, You can't entertain yourself enough to find relief in a situation like Psalm 102 verses 1 through 11 to feel better. There's not enough alcohol in the world to make Psalm 102, 1 through 11 better. There's not enough um, uh, distraction to make it better. He says, but you, but thou, O Lord, shall endure forever and thy remembrance unto all generations. He's doing a couple of things here. Number one, he's placing his focus upon the God of all comfort. And he's finding his comfort in who God is and what God has promised. Okay, so... Verse 12, again, you shall endure forever and your remembrance unto all generations. Now, most folks think that this psalm uh, is, uh, as far as the setting, that it happened sometime after the destruction of the temple and the Babylonian captivity. And we've seen other psalms close to this. That have, uh, that have been that. And the reason they say that is because uh, in a minute, the psalmist is going to say, Lord, we know that now's the time for you to take pity and have compassion upon Jerusalem for those who love the stones that are still there and the dust that's still there. I don't know if that's the case or not, but I know this. The psalmist is saying, my situation here is temporary, but you're not. You endure forever. And, and, and Lord, your, your character, your person will be around for all generations. Okay? It's just another way of saying, God, you don't change. You don't change. Then we get to his promises. His promises which are sure and steadfast. Verse 13, Thou shalt arise and have mercy upon Zion for the time to favor her, yea, the set time is come. Now, again, how do we know this? How does the psalmist know this? I don't know. Uh, Maybe they already had the book of Daniel at this point and he realized that the Lord was going to send them back from captivity if this really is during the Babylonian exile. I'm not sure about that, but I do know that whenever the psalmist is looking for hope here, he's trying to anchor his hope into something that the Lord has already said, something that the Lord has already promised. And he says, Lord, you're going to arise and have mercy because the time, the set time to favor her is come. Now, whatever we want to do as far as filling in the specific details of that, it essentially means this. When God says something, you can rest on that. You can put your hopes there. You can bank on that. And so he says he's going to be merciful to his people. Verses 15 and 16, he will make his glory manifest through and among his people. For thy servants take pleasure in her stones. Verse 14. So the heathen shall fear the name of the Lord and all the kings of the earth thy glory. So he's going to be merciful to his people. He's going to make his glory known through and among his people. One thing that's, that's happening here and it's worth pointing out is that all of a sudden the psalmist begins to uh, focus on God's agenda rather than his immediate circumstance. You'll see he's going to start moving to say things like, Lord, this has happened and this has been written for other generations. One of the things that afflictions... Being overwhelmed, one of the things that that can do and and does most of the time is it shrinks our world down to just me and mine. It's what's happening to me right now. And One of the things that we see the psalmist do when he begins to focus on the Lord and he begins to try to find his comfort not only in God but in God's promises is all of a sudden it turns not into an individual lament but he's claiming things that God has promised to His people as a whole. Zion. You notice He's not talking about just Himself anymore. He's talking about God's people as a whole. He's going to be merciful to His people. He's going to make His glory manifest through and among His people. Verse 17, He will regard the prayer of the destitute and not despise their prayers. He's he's going to regard the prayer of the destitute. The word destitute there just means just The naked, those who have nothing, not even the clothes on their back. Reminds us of Matthew chapter five, verse three, blessed are the poor in spirit. It's the same uh, same idea here. Those who come to God with nothing, they come as those who know they need mercy. Those who have come to the end of themselves. Well, he'll regard the prayer of the destitute. How do we know that? Because he said that. That's how we know. Not because it always feels like it. Not because results and answers are always instantaneous. Not because God always hits the pressure relief valve when, he, when we want Him to, but it's because He said He would. He's from all eternity. He's, he, he, is, he is God in all generations. And He's been delivering the righteous out of affliction for a long, long time. He regards the prayer of the destitute. And then verses 18 through 22, He will fulfill His plans and His purposes. Look at verse 18. This shall be written for the generation to come, and the people which shall be created shall praise the Lord. So again, here's this idea that what God is doing in and through my affliction. The psalmist is saying, I'm, I'm, what I'm going through now is going to be used to bless the generation to come. Uh, the people who the Lord will create shall praise the Lord. You know, it's, it's, there's a real sense in which there's a partial fulfillment of that right now, right? I mean, we're going through Psalm 102. We're seeking to, to uh, find comfort in what's here. We're, we're identifying with the difficulties of the psalmist. We're, we're trying to take hold of his, um, the comfort that he's finding and seeking for in the Lord. And hopefully, hopefully, we can be reminded that the afflictions that the Lord sends to His people and allows in His people's lives is not just for one person singular it's to be used in the lives of his people plural we could go to the new testament and talk about that again back to second uh, corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 but our 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 view of things shrinks pretty small usually whenever the we become overwhelmed and we miss that Okay but that's his plans his purposes his agenda not ours verse 19 for he has looked down from the height of his sanctuary from heaven to the lord behold the earth to hear the groaning of the prisoner to loose those that are appointed to death to declare the name of the lord in zion and his praise in jerusalem when the people are gathered together and the kingdoms to serve the lord okay once again um We can't hit every detail of all those verses. This is big picture stuff. The psalmist is no longer just thinking about him and himself. He's thinking about the time when the Lord's people are gathered together and they're serving him in a new and vibrant way. So his complaint, his comfort, that is the Lord, his promises, his purposes... And then number three, in verses 23 through 28, the psalmist confidence. is confidence. Verse 23, he says, He weakened my strength in the way. He shortened my days. Essentially, what he's saying here is the Lord has crushed my confidence. In myself, I have no more strength. My days are shortened. In other words, it seems like I'm not going to make it through this. You know, when that happens, it never feels good. But it is good. When you find yourself in a place to where you say, I know that I can no longer walk in self-dependence. I know that I can no longer take another step without depending on, leaning on, and seeking the help of the Lord. That's good. And This is where the psalmist says, he's crushed my confidence in self. Now the other reality of that, and this just makes sense, as long as, as long as, you are reliant in your own abilities and your own gifts and your own self. Well, you'll never trust the Lord the way you were meant to. And there has to be something has to be taken away before that can grow. And the Lord has a, uh, the Lord has a way of, of doing that. So He's crushed my confidence in self. I have no more strength. My days seem shortened. But then verse 24, I said, oh my God, take me not away in the midst of my days. Thy years are throughout all generations. Here's what he's saying um, as this is going to continue to umbrella as we make our way down to the end of the psalm. He said, Lord, Thy years are throughout all generations. Don't take me away in the midst of my days. In other words, his hope and his trust is is beginning to be exercised in the everlasting, unchanging God. You know, we live in a world of rapid change. This is nothing new. You know this already. We sing um, the hymn, Abide with me, change and decay. And all around I see, O thou that changest not, abide with me. This is where the psalmist is. There's plenty of things I can't control. Plenty of things I can't predict. Things seem to be changing faster than I can keep up with. Lord, you're from everlasting. You don't change. You're always the same. Verse 25 and 26. Of old you have laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands They shall perish, but thou shalt endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture shalt thou change them, and they shall be changed. You know what he says? Eventually, this creation, the world that we live in right now, eventually it's going to wear out and it's going to perish, but God won't. Now, can you imagine a day like that? We have climate alarmists that imagine it all the time, but it's not going to be because of uh, you know emissions of gas or anything like that. God's in control of all of that. He says, "Lord, this this world is going to be tossed off like an old garment, but you're not. You'll still be here." Verse twenty-seven. You are the same and your years have no end. You're unchanging. You're unending. You're the only constant thing that we have. The only sure thing that we have. And then he says, The children of thy servants shall continue, verse 28, and their seed shall be established before thee. How can the psalmist be so confident in this? How can he know that the children of his servants are going to continue? Because God doesn't change, that's how He can know that. Okay, it's the it's the Malachi three six confidence for I am the Lord; I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed. Okay, Psalm one hundred two twenty eight is a direct application of that. This is what He's holding on to, and so His confidence is in the Lord in the fact that God doesn't change. I can find comfort in His promises because I'm confident in his character, because he's not going to change. He's constant. Now, if we look in, and and, and you just have to take the note here for lack of time, but this psalm is quoted in Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 through 12. And the section that's quoted is the last part, Of old you have laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the work of thy hands. They shall perish, but you shall endure. Yea, all of them shall wax old like a garment. As a vesture, shalt thou change them and they shall be changed. And when you get to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 10 through 12, the the author of Hebrews indicates that God the Father wrote this about His Son. Okay, so whenever He says... The, you'll, the garments will wax old and you'll change them and they'll be changed, but you're the same. He's talking about Jesus. If you think back to Sunday's message, the one who created all things, the one who sustains all things, the one in whom we live and breathe and have our being, one of these days the world's just going to be wrapped up and thrown away as far as the old world that we live in before the new heavens and the new earth. But Jesus Christ will stay the same. He will be constant. So what's the application? Well, brothers and sisters, the application is this, is that our hope must be in the unchanging person and work of Jesus Christ, who Hebrews 13 says is the same today, yesterday, and forever. And so the psalm for the afflicted and for those who are overwhelmed is a psalm who continually or a psalm that continually points us away from ourselves points us away from any other thing we might be tempted to put our hopes in because it's going to be thrown out like an old garment and it it forces us to focus on with Hebrews chapter 1 eyes to focus on the unchanging person and work of Jesus Christ and so our rest is found in Him. So may the Lord bless us to seek our comfort there. May the Lord bless us to place our confidence there so that in our times of difficulty, our main goal is not, how can I escape discomfort? But our main goal is to lay hold of the grace that is given us in Jesus Christ in our time of affliction. Now, in some ways, that can seem like it doesn't even make sense. But in other ways, that's part of the inheritance that the Lord has given you in and through the work of Christ. That you can be cast down but not destroyed that you can be in sorrow and in heaviness and rejoicing in Christ at the same time. And So may God bless us to look to Him in our times of affliction and in our times of being overwhelmed. Let's pray. Father, we uh, we thank You that You don't change and that You have given us Your Son, Jesus Christ. And so we can hope in him, we can lean on him, we can cry out to him in full confidence that he hears our prayers, in full confidence that he is working on our behalf, and in full confidence that there is comfort to be found in the promises and the purposes that you have for your people who are wrapped up in your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would give us the endurance to pursue him even in and especially in these times of affliction. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.